0: So, hello! My names are Adelaide, or Matthew Dickin, and I'll be having a conversation with... Jules Sklut ...for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library uh, and their Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people... Today is December 13th, 2018, and we are recording in Jules' home in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Mm
1: Hi. Hi.
0: (laughs) Would you want to tell us your your name and if you want your age?
1: Sure. My name is Jules Glute, and I'm 37 years old.
0: And what are your gender pronouns?
1: He, him, his, or just my name.
0: How would you describe your gender?
1: Um <clears throat> uh many different ways, depending on the context um, and depending on the day or the year, yeah, I don't know i like <laughs> I like trans it just feels relaxing <laughs> um sometimes yeah yeah i think that's it (laughs) i like that too.
0: (laughs) it feels good sometimes to just be like it's just that it's just trans it's (laughs) so hard and it's just that yeah (laughs)
1: totally otherwise where would i start and where would
0: i stop right we can talk all the time yeah every day (laughs) like you said (laughs) when and where were you born
1: I was born um, I was born in Madison, Wisconsin, in uh, September in
0: 1981. Yeah. What was Wisconsin like, or when you were growing up and during your childhood?
1: Um, well, Madison was and is like a college town. My dad worked at the university. Um, so I there was, like, a, an exciting energy of feeling like people were there to do something big, you know, or mm-hmm. exciting, you know. There was, there was, like, a... People were, like, up to stuff. <laughs> um, and I felt... I guess I felt that. My dad was a theater professor, and um directed plays like the undergraduates and graduates were at the university so like he would invite theater students over um so that was a, that was exciting you know i felt like there were interesting folks all around and um yeah it was and still is like a pretty racially segregated place um and i white i grew up in a white neighborhood um a predominantly white neighborhood i should say and went to schools that were racially integrated but very like segregated within the school um i was also i am also a white jewish person and so i I've, i just remember being very aware um growing up in Madison at that time was I had like a palpable sense of uh like white protestantism yeah. um I guess in Catholic you know white Catholic and Protestant people, and that that was like the main way of being that was like the normal way, and that uh, uh so I felt different um and that was like troubling and confusing um yeah I felt different than the kids who were different too you know like I just felt really different <laughs> um but I think there were other things like about like my family that contributed to that too they were
0: yeah yeah, yeah. did it feel like did you have an awareness that it was religious mostly, for your family or yourself, or did you feel different layers of difference?
1: Um, Well, for my family, I think it was, like, religious and also there was, like, there was a lot of strife in my home, and um, I didn't really witness that in other people's homes because it was also, like, this sort of Midwestern, like, politeness and... Mild manneredness um, uh, that made people's um, you know dysfunction or discomfort hidden, um, or there's just like a, a lot of pretense layered on top um, of like how we act and what we say about ourselves and about our families and about our communities and there's like so much else going down underneath the surface and I felt all those energies like coursing through me but I and I felt that I knew that things were different in my family but I didn't really know um that things were hard in other people's families too necessarily and so I I think I I felt you know like some shame about that. And so it all got conflated, like whether it was like Jewishness or whether it was like, you know, like mental illness stuff that was happening in my family and like denial and codependency and all that stuff. Like it was hard. I didn't, I didn't necessarily have words for it. Um, but I just felt, I felt kind of like scared and bad about myself and how things were going (laughs) in relation to the group or the norm or Mm. yeah but i had i had some really good friends that i met along the way and um those people like that was really lucky i kind of feel like i won the friend lottery of life and those people are (laughs) still my close friends today um so i really i feel like they really saved me um and I'm really grateful for that. My oldest friend I know from preschool. Wow. We weren't consistently friends all the way through. We sort of reconnected in, I guess, like elementary school, which isn't that much later. <laughs> but, um, and then my other best friend, who's still one of my best friends, is we met in third grade. And other friends I met in middle school. so.
0: Wow. Yeah. And folks you could, like, share... Those sense of feelings with
1: yeah and actually i was actually reflecting the other day because i i just a pretty big milestone happened in my life which is that i my partner and i decided to be engaged and to um have a like some kind of a wedding
0: congratulations thanks
1: (laughs) and um, i was texting those like childhood friends yeah we all had a text chain about it and um i was just saying i was like thanks for being my family and Thanks for helping to raise me. You know, I just I was feeling really like emotional about it, and then I was like remembering back. You know, I didn't always like those relationships. Also, like I f- felt insecurities in mm-hmm. them. Like I, you know, I didn't always feel like those were like entirely safe harbors. But there was something about the consistency and something about what they were able to show me about myself and mm-hmm. about themselves. Where they were just really like touchstones yeah. that kept me going even though you know we went through middle school awkwardness where we were not nice to each other you know and we drifted and we reconnected and all that stuff so it wasn't always like totally <laughs> fantasy la la perfect but yeah those those people really really kept me going yeah and and then and then we were, as we grew, we were able to show each like, move beyond the sort of Midwestern polite pretense and, like, we were able to show each other. I think that might be one of the things that really did it for me. Like, we were able to show each other um, what was really going on in our lives yeah. um, and what was really going on in our families. Yeah. And that, um, I was like, oh, everyone's got something. It's not just me it's not just us yeah so that was really helpful
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and to still have that like chosen set of people around you throughout life is pretty yeah amazing
1: oh my god it's really amazing i know a lot of people that have yeah i don't know it seems like it's like kind of rare and yeah i kind of feel like it was like the universe throwing me a bone like <laughs> <laughs> you know You got, this is your family, which I, you know, they're good people and, um, well, you don't know. I'm telling you, they're good people (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of hard stuff there. So I feel like, um, I got, I got these, I got what I needed to know enough to, you know, make it (laughs) to grow up because you really don't know when you're a kid. Your, you know, your universe is so shaped by what you see. And this was, like, you know, 1981, so there was no internet. Totally. <laughs> and there was the encyclopedia. <laughs> I remember being very excited about the encyclopedia when we got that. <laughs> Just, like, pour over it. But, yeah, I didn't have any other way of knowing, like, who else was out there and what they were thinking and feeling and what they were facing, so.
0: Do some of those friends live here in New York now, or? None of them do. None of them.
1: Yeah. But we've managed... A um, couple live in the East Coast. Two live in Vermont right now. Two still live in Madison. Yeah. With their families. One lives in Phoenix.
0: But you're the New York...
1: I'm the New York, which is actually useful because <laughs> they come to New York. Because sure. it's a place where people need to or want to come sometimes. That's sure. So. Right yeah, And I'll see, actually, it's because it, it's almost like winter holiday time. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to go to Madison next week, and I'll see them. So I'm
0: do you go back regularly?
1: Um, I do. I try to. Uh, I have a niece now who is, like, very wonderful and important to me. And I, when she was born, I really made a deep commitment to her that I would be there for her. So, uh since she's been born i like when she was younger she's eleven now and she was really young like when she was born i went for i had a summer break because I was in grad school, so I just went for two months and lived there yeah and um uh, and then I've tried to go like three three times a year if possible wow. lately it's been like two.
0: But you're connected. Yeah, I'm yeah.
1: connected to my family, but it's good that I don't live there. <laughs> <laughs> I need some I need a certain amount of space, otherwise I uh, get lost. I lose yeah. I stop being able to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah. Or feel my own feelings.
0: Is your dad still teaching at Madison?
1: He retired actually about ten years ago. Um, he taught there for forty years. <coughs> And now he's retired, and my mom retired, um, so they they but they my niece mostly lives with them, so they're like full time grandparents. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, do you? I mean, you mentioned your dad's students coming over and mm-hmm. like that sense of energy around them.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Do we have any specific memories of, like, seeing?
1: Well, I have a memory, actually, that I just found. I I could show you a picture, but the folks at home won't be able to to see it. Um, When, I think when I was, like, eight or nine, there was a, it was, like, I think a cast party after a play at my house or at the end of the semester or something, and this guy, Terry, came. He was really tall, and (laughs) I think he had long hair, And he brought, he was wearing this like creamy colored like blazer, you know, like very 1980s like shoulder pads and like very kind of like boxy blazer. (laughs) And I was like, that is the coolest garment I've ever seen. And he left it at our house and I found it. Wow. And I just like wore it all around. I had to like roll up the sleeves a lot. (laughs) But I I remember, um, I remember that about. It, in you know related to gender. There was like third grade, I guess so. I guess I was not eight. Was a big sort of gender year where I, I told my mom I wanted to cut all my hair off, and later take me to the the lady who cut all of our hair and cut it off, and I saw the movie version of the Outsiders, <laughs> and I started to sign my papers at school. In the name part, I would sign them Pony Boy. And then there was another movie that came out with Corey Feldman and Corey Heim called Dream a Little Dream, and it was kind of like time travel, soul switching, <laughs> teen romance. And so I I like changed my name to one of the guy characters in that it was named Dinger, just a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> so there. So yeah, third grade was a big year and I think that was how old I was when the sport coat got left and so I wore that around. I recently found a picture of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there were like interesting folks that came through the house and also I mean they were just like they were theater people which like not to generalize, but I you know, I think that there was like a certain there was a way in which they could uh be playful with me and um Uh, And I felt like they weren't maybe like as adultist, you know, like they were interested in thoughts I had and like what I was going to say, you know, what my perspectives were about things. So that was exciting. And uh, I didn't I didn't get a lot of like play in my family and um, and then and. I I really desperately wanted it, but it also made me, like, really nervous, that kind of attention, because I was afraid I was going to do something wrong. Mm. I think I thought that it was my fault that I didn't get a lot of play in my family, so I I just had, you know, this feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me, but I I really wanted to, you know, know people and play with them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they were able to give that kind of, like, attention when they came over.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, all the time, but, yeah, it was fun. And, um, and I definitely played, like, really hard with those friends, like, and and we would, like, dress up. My friend Emily, who was the one from preschool, right around that age also, we started to, like, dress up in different characters and go, like, around the block and down a couple blocks, there was a cafe, and we would, like decide where our characters were going to be and like come up with these elaborate costumes and then we would go in character to the cafe and like sit and order they had scones we would sit and order a scone and it got to the point where like the people at the cafe were, were like would you like your regular table like you know they would play along with us and one time we were like hippies and one time we were like an old married couple and one time we were like I don't know, like, mall rats or, you know, like, valley girl. Our idea of whatever that stereotype that was. So, yeah, and then my other friend, uh, Heidi, we would just, like, wear the most ridiculous outfits and then go into public places and try and act cool. Like, they're, like, like, if people reacted to us, we'd be like, I can't imagine what you're <laughs> responding to. We are just walking calmly, you know. So I, I was obviously already... Doing a lot of fun gender performance <laughs> um, as a young person. I'm gonna turn on the space heater because
0: sure, it yeah. just feels like it just got really cold. It is chilly. Let it's me know okay. if you want a
1: blanket.
0: No, I'm okay right now. Okay. Thank you. Though. Yeah. Those were,
1: you were in elementary
0: school with both of those friends? Yeah. 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 So really,
1: really young and yeah, goofy. Yeah. Yeah
0: and had some sense of, like, playing, it sounds like, with the external world, too, and their expectations of you. Yeah. And,
1: like. Yeah. I guess I, you know, I guess I already was experimenting with, like, being a performer. So, So yeah. That was fun. And then we got older. Heidi and I continued to do it, and she's the first person who taught me how to bind my chest. Yeah. She had learned from our friend Georgie, and so I remember her, like, standing around me, like, with an ace bandage, and that was also totally thrilling.
0: How old were you when that happened?
1: I mean, so that must have been more, like, late middle school or high school. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But still, early to be, like, playing with friends and, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: I, I don't know. yeah
1: Yeah, I don't know I mean I guess for everyone it's different I mean I was like when my chest developed (sighs) um yeah I was like always like really uncomfortable with it and felt like it was wrong and uncomfortable I didn't really have like the words for it my mom was very responsive to like if you thought you were sick she would like give you nice attention and, like, take you to the doctor. Sure. So my way of, like, I, like, expressed concern that, like, maybe they weren't growing right or something like that. And so she, like, told me to the doctor to make sure, and, like, the doctor reassured me that they they grow at different rates, like, like you know, it's normal for them to be different sizes or whatever. But I think that was just – that was, like, all I could figure out to tell her. But what was really happening was I was, like – uh, this just doesn't feel good, this doesn't feel right, I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, I didn't have language f- for that until a little bit later. But then when Heidi taught me how to bind my chest, I, I was like, oh, this is useful information. <laughs> <laughs> something, is, something is right here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you feel like you had been sharing with Heidi, like, what you were feeling, or just... It happened to come up. I
1: think it just happened to come up. I don't yeah. think she was I don't think she was like, I'm gonna help you. Yeah. I think she was just like, Hey, look what Georgie taught me you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And and we were so into like transforming into these different, you know, outfits and characters and stuff like that. And it was just part of yeah. And I think I mean as a young person, like starting in third grade, but probably even before, you know, like we had lots of dress ups in my house and I really enjoyed being uh, wearing outfits that would be, like, you know, assigned to different genders. And, yeah. Um, I liked wearing this. There was this, like, floofy green. I thought it was a, a gown. It had many, like, layers of, like, green chiffon. Yeah. And I would, like, you know, flounce around in it, and I really loved it. <laughs> and then years later, I found it in the attic, and it turns out it was a shirt. <laughs> and I thought it was, like, a, you know, like a huge yeah. um, gown. So, yeah, so I would, we would dress up a lot, and when I was, I also really enjoyed, like, the thrill of passing as a boy. There were, it happened a lot around that time, and I remember when I was 12, maybe, I took a trip with my mom where we drove with my Aunt Anita around (coughs) the Four Corners, Mm. and we would, you know, like, stop in little diners and, or at, like, a motel... Um, or campground and people would sometimes be like and what are you having young man or like hello young man and I just remember being like so thrilled and proud about that but I didn't I I didn't really understand why I just liked it and then like I remember you know like going to get like clothes at the beginning of the school year at TJ Maxx and some like being taken to the boys' section by someone who worked there and being like, yeah, (laughs) right on. (laughs) Um, I think those interactions also made me feel a little scared that I was, like, doing something wrong, but there was always, like, an appeal. There was, like, some kind of, like, energetic zing around those interactions that now I can be like, well, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it was, like a zing of, like, feeling excitement about, like, transgression or also just the zing of, like, notice how you feel. This is important. This will be important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did your mom and your aunt, like, try to correct that in some way or, like, how did they respond to people? Do you remember?
1: I remember one restaurant being, like, young manned and... I don't really think that they corrected. I think they were pretty, just, like, noticed how... I remember all of us making a joke about how I was wearing earrings and yeah. being like, oh, I mean, come on. Like, how could you... But I I don't know if I made that joke because I was, like, scared or embarrassed or something. Yeah. Um, or, like, pretended to be offended. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think they were pretty chill about it. I don't... I don't think my mom started to like worry about me transgressing gender more until I got to college,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she got. Well, there were um, there were ways in which I transgressed gender in terms of like expected behavior and uh, roles, uh-huh. and she definitely let me know that she was concerned about that, not directly, but like I remember in middle school having these friends who were boys come over at after school and my friends who were girls were there and I think I don't know if I was dating or liked or one of those boys liked me or whatever but um, yeah I guess I must have been dating one of them <laughs> dating you know we were like in 8th grade or something and or 7th grade I mean not that you know young people are have big feelings and valid feelings and love is love you know even if you're young but I don't know what we thought we were doing. We, like, barely spoke to each other, you know. It wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a super deep connection. And I spent the whole time after school basically talking to my girlfriends. Mm. And the guys were just talking to each other. And my, everybody left, and my mom was like, if you ignore boys, you're never going to get a boyfriend. What? She was like if you treat them like that, if you don't pay attention to them, it's it's not going to work. And she was very like serious about it and kind of pissed. pissed. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, That's interesting information."
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, but I didn't really start. I think I was they still just saw me so much as like a girl and I guess I saw myself as one like as one so that there was some, there was a lot of leeway probably just because of like their politics they're like progressive liberal people or feminists like the, you know there was leeway for me to be like a tomboy or for me to be fluid in in my expressions or be performative but once it got it when it was more in the realm of like really shaping my relationships and who I had intimacy to and yeah. um you know if people were really like, going to notice and other me that's when they started to get, like, scared and more tight and less kind or patient. Yeah.
0: Yeah, as you grew up into those things. Yeah. What were your... Were you doing, uh, like, theater in school growing up or in addition to your street performances? or were I did. Your, <laughs> what were your hobbies? You yeah,
1: I did. I always danced. Well, starting from, like, when I was... <laughs> mm, Probably like 11, 10. <coughs> I did dance. When I was really little, I did dance, too. Um, my dog is whining out the door, but yeah. I am going to ignore her. But you think?
0: Either way, I don't okay. think we can probably hear it, but okay. I can also pause it if you want to move her and then... Um, okay. I
1: think it'll be okay. Well, if it gets bad, we'll stop. Yeah, um, yeah I danced... Um, off and on when I was really young, but then, like, really consistently when I was, like, 9, 10, 11, and onwards. And then I, there was, um, there's a program at my town called The Young Shakespeare Players, and they were known for doing unabridged Shakespeare productions with, like, young people. And so I did that for <laughs> one summer, but a bunch of my friends did it over and over. So they were, like, four-hour-long, you know, productions. I did Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Um, And that was awesome. I got to wear a big cape and, like, do the sword fight. I was Tybalt, who, slays Mercutio. It was awesome. Um, Yeah, so I did, like, those were basically my hobbies. It was was pretty much dance. Yeah. Yeah. And then I always, like, went to Hebrew school. Yeah. was always... Those were my things that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, dance, you know, gender... It got, I got real, like, dysphoric and disassociated and freaked out, you know. I remember when I was 13, maybe, the dance school that I grew up taking classes at, up until then it had been just, like, these, like, mostly white, like, college-affiliated, university-affiliated people who were teach at the studio, and they were all doing sort of, like, either, like, some version of, like, aerobic you know, eighties, nine, early nineties stuff, or like, uh, like release technique, <laughs> like whatever that was, whatever they had had of yeah. that. Um, and but when I was thirteen, the this woman bought the studio and it became a Graham, a Martha Graham school. Oh wow! And she like brought with it all of the sort of stereotypical like drama, the Graham attitude, and so she would like you know <clears throat> make terrible, like, remarks about her own body and be really dramatic, like, have, like, sort of angry fits about, you know, if we weren't listening or things like that, or just, she was just high drama, and then she would choreograph these dances on us where we were in these, like, sort of skin-tight, you know, uh unitards with these, like, spandex skirts and, like, running around. And so it was, like, the first time where I was, like, whoa, I don't know about this. And there was also something exciting about, like, the witchiness of it and the the drama of it. But um, combined with my body changing and then being so, like, visible, like, wearing a unitard in front of, you know, everyone, I just... That was rough. So I actually think I quit for a year or Mm. so. And then... um, then I aged out of dancing at that school, and my friends, who are all still my close friends, my dad knew this grad student um Jessica Burson, who's like a she's teaches at Yale now, and she's like a dance professor she got her PhD. so my dad hooked us up with her, and she was like, yeah i'll I want to have like a little dance company so we were like high school." And we got to choreograph our own dances. And she made some dances on us, but they felt, like, way cooler than running around in a unitard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like Martha Graham. Oh, good, they're getting the dog.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We can keep going. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Um, Do you remember, like, while you were through, I mean, any of the experiences you've talked about, do you remember uh, knowing other trans people either in Madison Mm -hmm. that were older than you or like that were your peers that you felt like were going through something similar or now looking back?
1: (laughs) Mm. No. I didn't know anyone. My... Other than, you know, just, like, the terrible portrayals of, like, transvestites and trans women on... In, like, the mainstream media that would come through sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, my first... I The school... One of the schools I went to when I was young, there was, like, a bunch of lesbians that taught there. and. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt, like, comfortable with... Like, I knew that lesbians were a thing and <laughs> gay men were a thing. Um and and I could see that their genders were varied, you know, in different ways. Um there's also like it, it's interesting. Like I didn't grow up in a rural place, but there's a way in which but it, I was close to rural. <coughs> I I interacted with like folks that like like rural Wisconsin folks. And there's a way in which, like, there's like a butchness that women can have, that is just butch, you know. (laughs) It's but they're not necessarily. It doesn't mean they're trans. It doesn't mean anything else other than like gender genders so varied and I guess that's like that was like sort of like my mom she could understand like being a tomboy if she was just sort of you know like the second wave feminist like a, a woman is multitudes you know sure. a woman can be anything so why can't you be a woman like you know and dress how you want to dress or yeah. date women or something like that so I, you know I was like sort of swimming in that like second wave feminist soup
2: yeah
1: Um, The first really like Butch woman that I can remember Seeing was my friend Emily Yeah. Her parents are all Gay and her mom um, Married Alex who's like a butch Cop and (coughs) Wow um, Yeah (laughs) so I remember going to Martha and Alex's house and Seeing Alex and Pulling Emily around the corner and being like Is Alex a boy or a girl like what's going On you know she like, she's a girl. So it was very much in the, like, girls can be anything kind yeah. of thing. So I, I really don't know. I'm sure I knew trans people, but I had no idea. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was anything that you could be or, you know. Y- yeah, yeah. So that wasn't until I got to college that yeah. I met other people who had language around it. And yeah. I read Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg, and that was, like, pretty meaningful, informative, and, and then I helped organize at the Women's Center at my school to get Leslie to come and give us like, a talk. Cool. That was really cool. Um, yeah, so that's when I started to have more language about gender and when I started to, like, identify as, like, like try that on a, that word as an identity that described something that was going on inside me. And, and then I was connected to a community of people that were also doing that or had done that, and that was really cool and meaningful.
0: Where'd you go to college?
1: I went to Hampshire College in Western Mass.
0: One of my housemates teaches there. Oh really? Yeah. Cool. Um, did Leslie come?
1: She did. Yeah, and I got to pick her up at the airport with my friend Nat. We were, were like, reeking out. Her plane got in at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. We were up at the crack of dawn. We were, like, so excited and nervous. It was really nervous, but it was exciting, yeah. And then I got a VHS tape of, like, the recording of her lecture, and I sent it to my parents. Uh I have it, actually, over there. I wrote, like, you know, just thought you'd be interested in this thing that I helped to organize to make yeah. like happen and they it scared the shit out of them they were like oh my god
0: <laughs> what did Leslie say that did they tell you what was scary
1: I I think it was the way she looked mm. scared scared them I think yeah. that they were scared that I was going to do that <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> what did you talk about in the car on the way from the airport?
1: Oh my god, I don't even remember. I just remember like my hands gripping the steering wheel and being like, Don't fuck this up Don't be awkward, don't crash the car. Right. Yeah. I mean I think we just, you know, like asked about her flight and like I don't know. We probably were griping about like the politics at our school or yeah. <laughs> like yeah. how how oppressive the administration was. Right. Or <laughs> kind of like that.
0: But you like knew I mean, you, like, had an awareness of, like, you were with a legend or, like, I mean, it seemed like you you yeah. were seeking this person out.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, at the time, I remember feeling a lot of confusion about the identity, like, the trans identity. Like, there was, like, very much... Um, <coughs> it was, like... Hang on, my dog's driving me sure. crazy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'll pause it.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. Keep going. Keep going. I think we're recording again. Cool. Is Rosie upstairs?
1: Yeah, she's upstairs. Hope she stays up there. Um
0: She's the best, but
1: Yeah, but she's
0: yeah. yeah. Posterity state. Yeah. (laughs) She would probably prefer not to have her whiniest self-
1: (laughs) That's right, recorded for all (laughs) the whole internet. Um Yeah, so I was saying I remember feeling like a lot of like Strife around, like, having a transgender identity at that yeah. time, like, um, there was a sense, you know, it was like, and still, like, the, the, the mainstream narrative, which was way less mainstream then, because yeah. people just weren't talking about it as much as they are now, on, like, a national or global level. But it was very much this, like, born-in-the-wrong-body narrative, and I felt really confused about that. I didn't identify quite like that that wasn't my story um and so there was a lot of confusion about if I really was trans and um if it was okay to say that I was and was I real if I didn't have these one these certain feelings and then there was also like competition I felt like amongst the queer and trans people at my school like you know who's more who like Who's more dysphoric (laughs) Who Who like Knew sooner Who You know (laughs) Who like Never wore a dress Who never Kissed a cis Guy You know like That kind of thing Yeah So that was like An uncomfortable Time Or like An uncomfortable stage In all of it Um, We were all just Freaking out You know And like projecting things onto each other. So, yeah, so I remember, like, definitely feeling, like, excited to be in the presence of Leslie Feinberg and also very aware of, like, our different experiences and different upbringings, you know, different generation, different class backgrounds, um, different, like, regions that we were from. Um, So I was like, you know, am I? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are we? (laughs) You know, and I so I felt, like, some strife about that and um, insecure, all those questions. But, yeah.
0: Do you remember if it was something you read or a teacher or, like, meeting people? Like, I feel like we had sort of... um, I'm just... Which is okay, you know, if you don't remember, but I just feel like suddenly now we're talking about a time of your life where there were a bunch of people who were really deeply competing around even Uh the language of this word yeah but I imagine the first day at Hampshire you weren't like oh those are my people you know or maybe you were yeah
1: no I had to find them like and for me there was like a um yeah I think it was like a I was like a very gender fluid young person yeah and then I feel like purity. I tried to like zip it all up, and then it was like this slow process of like chipping away. At, and for me, I was like, even within this sort of like, there was like room for precociousness and rebelliousness and alternativeness. Um, it within my family is sort of like prized. Like yeah, you get to like. you know be um you get to have like different politics than like the mainstream you get to like be an artist you get to do those things but um it was like up to a certain extent and I I felt like very scared to make my parents uncomfortable um also you know because like there was so much like tension and other discomfort in my family like around my sister and um so I, so there was a way in which I was sort of like a it was hard to tell from the onset, but I was I was being like very obedient, and I was like playing a role that I felt I had to play in my mm-hmm. family to like make them put them at ease, make them feel comforted and proud, and do you know what what I was supposed to do. Right. Um, so it was sneaky like that, you know, because it didn't look like other sort of like straight laced obedience but it was it was so yeah so there was like a chipping away that had to happen and it happened slowly when I when I got to college which I mean for folks that get to college I think that can be such a pivotal time because it's like the first time that you're really living outside of the purview of your your biological family for many obviously there's lots of other circumstances in which that's not true but that definitely was the case for me it was like okay you know what am I going to do and it was, like, a, a gradual unraveling of all the things that I thought I was supposed to be and thought that I was that it turns out I wasn't. So, like, you know, I mean, my my sexuality has also always been, like, pretty queer. So I started out, like, dating a cis guy. Um, and our relationship was also, like, secretly very queer. Like, he was into gay gay shit but nobody knew from looking at us you know my hair was like still pretty long and I wore like weird ripped up vintage dresses and combat boots and um you know so I looked like some kind of some kind of girl <laughs> and um but we were like we were queer <laughs> um and then it was like and then I got like a really big crush on a, a girl so it was like a it was a coming out like in terms of my sexuality and then and then my gender identity and it was also like there was a time at that school everyone was like really obsessed with like butch femme um that was like you know the way to be gay <laughs> and so I, <clears throat> once I was like realized that I wanted to be trying like kissing girls and making out with girls and really like Admitting to myself That like Most of my Most intimate relationships Were with girls And women Or women Um Then I was like Okay well then I'm just gonna go Butch You know <laughs> <laughs> So then it was like This like 90s Like You know Like what I don't know It was just like a, I just really went for it With the style <coughs> and, You know There was like All these signifiers Like what you wore And what you How you signaled to people Like what you Who you were And um yeah. So I don't know, I don't even remember what your question was. But yeah, I think it was seeing people being in this sort of like petri dish of folks that were all like thinking about gender and thinking about sexuality and yeah. kind of like growing um and with each other and, and reading books and seeing movies and seeing performances. There was like a gender a drag ball, you know, I forget what they called it gender fuck or I don't know one of the you know once a year everyone would just do wild performances and wear wild outfits and I was like yes (laughs) this this is something still got that zing you know like yeah I'm interested
0: yeah yeah so it was people of like many genders and yeah
1: yeah people of many genders Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, I felt suddenly very awake and alive too, and excited by all the possibilities of who we could be and what yeah. we could do. Yeah. I watched, you know, like every queer film I could get my hands on, every gay book I could get my hands on. Just kind of like inhaled it and gave myself like an education that I. You know, I gave my, tried to give myself all that information because I hadn't gotten it. Yeah. Because, because my parents couldn't give it to me.
0: (laughs) But you were able to find those resources at Hampshire and through friends or was it like more sort of on the DL or?
1: I it was at Hampshire through friends. I guess that like. Leslie Feinberg lecture was sort of the most that I got it like through Hampshire like as a like the institution it was really just friends and uh, and movies and books and I definitely would like I remember like being home on a break or whatever and like leaving my parents house and going to the bookstore and just like hanging out in the gay lesbian section you know for (laughs) a couple hours (laughs) and and then going home you know yeah um yeah, I was really, like, needing something that, and I was, like, making up for, well, you know, uh, the void. Totally. Yeah.
0: Was there a moment yeah. where you feel like you either consciously made a decision, or where you just were like, oh, I'm not following that same sort of, like, obedient structure? Yeah. Or... <clears throat>
1: I don't think there was a moment. I think it was over time. I mean, yeah. there must have been a moment where I was, like... Because <coughs> there's, like, a million little ways where you have to, like, identify yourself in, in social situations, in yeah. like college, at home. You know, so yeah. I think that there must have been a time when I started to, like, identify myself as trans and yeah. as queer. But I, I really didn't do, like, a coming out. It just kind of was... And there were the, the times in my life where I had to, like, I really, I didn't really come out as queer to my parents. They knew that, like, I made out with some girls in, like, high school. Yeah. So they, But they, it wasn't, I just, like, came home from college and I said I had a girlfriend. And that was it. I didn't, I didn't come out otherwise and, until I had to tell them that I was <coughs> taking hormones and and I had to tell them that I was going to have surgery. Those yeah. were the coming outs, and they... Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you ever travel to New York when you were growing up or when you were living in medicine?
1: I did. Oh, my God. I just remembered that I came to see the original um production of rent. Wow. I mean, we came as often as we could because my dad was from my dad grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. And um so at that point growing up my grandma was still alive, so I oh, yeah. had aunts and uncles and cousins and my grandma was here. So we came as a family. I don't remember now if it was like once a year or every other year, you know. Um, we came to visit
2: but regularly
1: yeah and yeah. my it's so interesting because my we would always stay with my aunt and uncle on the, and they live on the Upper East Side my aunt just recently passed away but my uncle still lives up there and like that was my reference for New York was like the Upper East Side yeah. when we would like take cabs, sometimes we'd take the bus but it was very different than the New York that I that I know now but then there was one day, and my grandma would she still lived in Brooklyn but she would always come up and stay uh-huh. and then eventually when she got much older, she lived on the upper east side too near my aunt and uncle. But when I was 15, and this is, like, you know, deep in, like, a bunch of, like, adolescent crisis, my mom and my best friend Heidi, who taught me how to bind, um, all, we all came to New York. And we I went for the first time in my life to Brooklyn to—we to, stayed a night at my grandma's house. Yeah. And that was really cool and wild. Yeah. It was— crazy like this woman that was so familiar to me I'd never been to her home and it was that was cool and then we also saw the like original you know cast of Rent it was like 1994 or something 1995 yeah
0: yeah Um, that same
1: trip that same trip and I was really depressed I was dating an older guy who was like a bad like sexually abusive coercive relationship and um i didn't know how to get out of it yeah and i was depressed and doing some like self-harm and we went on this trip and then we came back and as the plane was landing my appendix started to uh be inflamed and then and then i later on that night it burst and then i had you know emergency appendectomy and then i got out of the hospital a bunch of days later and I shaved all my hair off and gave myself this like punk rock haircut with these two tiny little braids in the front like bug antennas and um, and then I just was like I sort of made myself so sick that my boyfriend at the my man friend couldn't there was like no excuse for him to be like hanging around a depressed fucked up teenager anymore so I that that was my that was how I figured out to get out of that and um yeah then I just stomped around in combat boots with um (laughs) jewelry that I made from the hardware store (laughs) safety pins in my ears and a shaved head (laughs) um
0: I wish I knew you when I was growing (laughs) up. Yeah, that would have been fun. We would have had some fun. Yeah, for sure. Doesn't sound exactly like the aesthetic that I had, but a lot of the other elements of how to get yourself out of situations and other things sound (laughs) related.
1: Yeah, yeah, related. Cousins of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember what question led to that, but
0: um well you remembered rent just when i asked if. You, oh you if i'd been to new york yeah. yeah
1: yeah 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 so my memories my early memories of new york are like basically just my aunt and uncle's house or yeah. my other aunt and uncle's house um and then just like you know walking around on the upper east side but then yeah then when i was 14 or 15 whenever that was we came to brooklyn and Staying in my grandma's house was really cool. I mean, she had, like, stacks of papers. Like, she, like, hoarded papers, wow. so all the papers of her life. So it was, like, you know, bills, but also, like, notebooks that my grandfather had written in when he was alive and, like, photographs. And it felt like I was walking into, like, a family archive, but, like, a very haphazard one. Um And that, yeah, I have, like, a memory of... I feel like she lived off of, like, King's Highway or something like that. So that was really cool. And then I moved here. Well, then I came a couple other times to visit in college. Um, I shaved my hair off again when I realized... I sort of had a... There were all these um, sexual assaults on the five college campuses, and everyone was sort of, I just like talking about sexual assault and there were all these like vigils and the clothesline project and it sort of like hit me I was like oh fuck like that's what was going on with that ex-boyfriend yeah. that I had had that, that's I, I didn't know like no one had ever, had ever like said the, like acquaintance raped me or anything like, I just didn't know that, that was a thing <laughs> and so I, I went through a process of like being you know sad and angry and grieving and going through all that and so I my friend Emily going with the butch cop that mom who I met <laughs> in preschool all gay parents she was living in Bushwick at the time oh, wow. and I and that ex-boyfriend he was still contacting me in college yeah. and I just was getting really like, really freaked out and so finally uh, he lived here in Williamsburg he was trying to be a novelist and I um So I call, I I don't know how I contacted him. I don't think people were really emailing very much back then, but probably. Somehow I got in touch with him, and I came, and I stayed with her in Bushwick. And that was a new experience, (coughs) like, walking out in Bushwick, and that was, like, a whole new world to me. And, And then I met with him at a cafe in Williamsburg, and was just like, listen, stop contacting me. This is what happened. And, you know, he didn't, like, he was defensive, but he didn't, like, to his credit he listened and and never we never he never contacted me again so that was cool um and then I went back to Emily's house after and shaved my head again gave myself the same punk rock haircut from high school it was like okay I'm just gonna go back to like what I what I something feels true here so and then after that I started making out with more girls and broke up with that (laughs) queer boyfriend and um, that was another like pivotal part in like the me like sort of piecing together parts of my identity and bringing like bringing up things that you know i had learned to like repress or not think about or not look at yeah. and then I felt so like disassociated and fragmented, you know, yeah. so I was starting to kind of weave myself back together while
0: well, you were at Hampshire and then also but then New York is showing up in these interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I I wanted to move to New York after college, but I just was really I couldn't figure out how to do it. It was too overwhelming yeah. to me. I didn't I stayed at my uncle's house a little bit after and I tried to like give my resume to the 92nd Street Y. Yeah. Cuz they live around the corner from it. And I remember going in and, like, they wouldn't even let me through the metal detectors because they were like, do you have an appointment with HR? And I just, like, lost it. I just, like, turned around. And I was like, I can't. I don't know how to do this. I grew up in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, I I don't understand. So I moved to Seattle. <laughs> um, partially because I knew that there was, like, some kind of a queer modern dance scene out there. Yeah. And, um... And I did pretty good you know that's where I like really learned I learned about like sex being fun I learned I got to practice being like a gender queer trans young adult um I like paid my bills and yeah and then and then I moved here to go to grad school because that was like the way that I could figure out to, like, yeah. have, like, a community around myself, which seemed like the way to, uh, yeah. Otherwise, I was just, oh, it was like a tsunami. I was like, how do you, how do, you do it? I I didn't have what, I just didn't have what it took. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then grad school. Then I lived in Inwood when I first moved yeah. to New York. I found a roommate on Craigslist, and I lived in Inwood, and I was in grad school over two years. And that was really exciting, I mean, because then I got to really plug into, like, the dance community. And, yeah. My life has been here ever since. That's, that was in 2006.
0: 2006, so yeah. like 12 years ago, Yeah. Came for grad school. And yeah. How old were you when you moved here?
1: 12 years ago, I was t- uh, 25. Yeah. Oh my God, I was a baby! I was so young. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how young I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm twenty six right now, but that's you neither are here, neither here nor there. I just didn't yeah. Know you knew that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, wow. I'm a youngin too.
1: That's so cool.
0: Yeah. It's 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 nice.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I hope you know. I don't. There's. I mean, nothing disparaging about that. I just like. I can't believe how much. I've learned and lived since then, yeah and then I like I I was, I was really young, but I was you know I was making bold moves, and I I knew what I knew, and I was yeah going for it, but I can't believe how long ago that was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it did feel like when you came here for grad school, like you had a community around you, and you were able to start to figure things out. it's funny
1: because I did not, like, I'm not really in touch with anybody from grad school other than, um, very occasional, like, sometimes, one professor who is a friend and who I've, like, worked with creatively afterwards, and I just went to her house last week and, like, sought her consultation about life moves and questions. So, she's really the only, and then a couple other people from the dance program, i are still in my life but it didn't become like my my long-lasting community but it was it it was like a structure that helped me get on my feet here and learn my way around and like just like sort of contextualized me here and then I and then I was able to go from there
0: yeah yeah what was New York like when you moved here when you finally moved here after After one one and two yeah yeah
1: um. That's a really good question. I mean, huge, 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 and multitudinous, and overwhelming, and yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, it's not like I'm not like this person who like like I wanted to be here, because I think I wanted to be around like dancer, artist people, and queers, and yeah. Jewish people, and. A connection to like my family beyond just you know like my ancestors who yeah. immigrated here and uh but it's not I it, it wasn't it it's kind of like like the the like I always dreamed of going to New York is similar to the like I was born in the wrong body it's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. like it's like a trope that yeah. really aligns with some people and it is not for me at all you know I miss I miss woods and wilderness and swimming outdoors and um, the hum is occasionally thrilling but mostly overwhelming and overstimulating to me. Yeah. And um, so I don't know what to say about it, other than like you know I, I have like so much like respect and interest in, for like the history of like the 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 many communities that have like thrived here and struggled here and died here and Lived and loved (laughs) all that, so I, I guess I, you know, I'm indisputably among those multitudes now. This has been my home for twelve years and will be for probably some more. Um, But I'm not. I don't feel like uh, I'm a fish in water.
2: <laughs>
1: you know <laughs> yeah but oh my god you know yeah so grateful for so grateful for the for New York and the people of New York <coughs> you know the, so grateful for the queer history and the radical jewish history and the political history and yeah I guess that's good to think about for me, like, when I am overwhelmed to to remember to be nourished by by that.
0: Did you find communities that, like, right as you were moving here, or, like, what was your journey towards finding the people that sort of could teach you that history, or were living that history, or...
1: Um... I guess some, like, dance world connections that I made. And then I moved into this collective house. Um, I lived, (coughs) I had, like, a girlfriend who from the end of college who then we broke up and got back together. And she moved out here, and um, we moved to Brooklyn together after grad school and um, started to... There was a group of Jewish kids that I grew up with in Madison whose parents were all from Brooklyn and we all moved from Madison back to Brooklyn yeah. <laughs> my dad called it the reverse exodus like all of them <laughs> came to the Midwest and then we all came back yeah. um, so those people were like a community for a while we would have Shabbats one, once a month um, and then I, I tried you know to find different you know I would go sometimes to like Jews for Racial and Economic Justice like their and party or I would go to like Pull hyenas, progressive synagogue, go to their like sukkot parties or. Um, but I feel like finding this house. This so my partner, my ex partner, her, she worked with people who lived here, and there was an opening, and we came and we interviewed and we moved here, and then that this this has really become like my home base and my family. I've lived here for nine years and. Yeah. Um, living collectively with people who are, you know uh, activists and organizers and teachers and artists, and you know, being connected to each other's lives and joys and struggles and um, in a way that feels way more like functional than my childhood family living situation for lots of reasons partially because they're not my family so I don't react to them in the same ways and I'm a grown-up so I have more agency and I'm not as like powerless and and I just really like them so um yeah so this has been an exciting community to, to be a part of and I think been an anchor for me living here yeah yeah and then yeah different like You know, the being in the dance world the way that I am, I, you know, I, um, I work project to project with like friends who are choreographers and creators, (coughs) we collaborate and um, work together very closely. And then when the project is over, then we don't see each other for a little while, or you know, until the next one comes around. So I've just been like orbiting really wonderful people, many of whom are queer and trans. for years, and we work closely together. We form these sort of ephemeral family units or ephemeral working units, and yeah. then and then we go on and out with our own hustle.
0: Yeah, um, I guess I'm curious to ask about that a little bit about the sort of. Um, The larger senses of community, especially within, like, queer and trans community, and then the ephemerality of, like, Mm -hmm. it coming together around a project or around a certain party or Mm -hmm. around, you know...
2: Yeah.
0: um, Have you seen ways that, in the city, you've been able to, like, stay connected to those people throughout, or, like, when you're not working on a specific project, or... Have some of those relationships been, you know, diminished in some way because of how the city has impacted?
1: I definitely think some of the relationships have been diminished because of the impact of, like, capitalism and, uh, you know, I mean, the city is uh, like a capitalist machine, you know, a capital machine. Totally. (laughs) So, you know, you know... um, yeah, there are people for with whom I've been able to maintain relationships all the way through, and we, we find each other regardless of before, like actively working on projects with each other, and we support each other. And but it's hard to get together with your friends. Um, we're all like working really hard, and we're hustling, and f- you know freelancing and piecing, stitching together our. Schedules and so you know, people, it's hard, it's just hard to have the time, and then we're also exhausted. So, who wants to like get on another another train or get on your yeah. bike again and go, you know, to wherever, whoever, you know, many of us are like 40 minutes apart on a train or like a, yeah. or a bike or something. So, <clears throat> so yeah, those are the constraints and the struggles, and then. Um, sometimes there's like competition I think um that makes it hard to be truly intimate cause cause I think there's a <coughs> lot of like isolation and shame that comes with like trying to make it in capitalism and make it in like a very impoverished art form you know yeah so there's like you know the scarcity mentality and people are competing for the same grants and relationships with venues and pr- presenters and I think you know. I feel pretty fortunate to have connections with people beyond that, you know. And also, like I'm not particularly individually ambitious to be like I don't, uh, I don't make as much of my own work anymore. I mostly collaborate. I used to do more on my own, and um, that's just. Uh, I think I'm just more of a. I don't know, socialist or something. I don't know. Like I'm more. I'm like, I yeah. <laughs> That's not my personal ambition. So I don't, but there's like, oh, I do have the shame part
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> of like, what's wrong with me? Other people seem to be able to do it. I'm working so hard. I'm so tired. Why can't I make it? And then, that, you know, then there's also this sort of like invisible piece about class where a lot of times in, in our field, the dance, in the dance field, uh, and all over, like people just don't aren't forthcoming about their wealth and their resources, right. and so you know, I, mean, I have a you know, I have like middle class privilege. That's where I came from, and I you know I have so I have like the training, but I don't have the current like assets yeah. of that. So I get really confused and often blame myself yeah. for my struggles.
0: Are there artists or collaborators who you've seen or, like, moments where you were working with someone where you felt like there was an exceptional moment where people were either being more transparent about that or working as a community or as a small pocket to, um, like, shift that?
1: Yeah, I think some of the, I've worked with people who are... Um, who just are f- really forthcoming from <coughs> the get-go about, like, uh, if if there's pay and what this what the scale is yeah. and what, what to expect and what they can offer. Um, and right away, that just, like, helps everything to have it just be named instead. Yeah. Um, because it's so weird that then there are people who don't, you know, who just, like, engage you in something but don't tell you, and then you have to be like, are, are you going to? Pay me and because like there's these like f- weird um because it's like a it's like on the venn diagram of our really it's like we're we're friends and we're collaborators yeah. and there's also the power structure of like i guess employer in a way or yeah. like you're a contractor and contractee you're contracted yeah um and all those things are overlapping each other and so it's like oh, no you, you just want to be like cool and easy going or whatever but there's like tremendous fuckery yeah. <laughs> like, masked in that you know yeah <laughs> so yeah so I think I have worked with people who are just like this is where I'm coming from and tell me what works for you or, in terms of like not just around like money but like um like, I'm in a process now where this choreographer, who's also a friend, is, like, uh, I just feel, like, so deeply respected. And I feel like if if and when I have concerns, I they're really welcomed. And um, I don't feel like she's trying to push her vision or her agenda to bulldoze over what's actually happening between people in the room. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like we're getting lost and, like, swirling and just, like... Taught having uh, like self congratulatory, you know, like or like navel gazing totally. or you know, it feels like we're actually just we're there, we're working together, and then there's it's not taboo to be like when we work together, things come up yeah. and let's talk about it and what are we doing, you know? So yeah, I have found that, but I've also found the opposite. So yeah,
0: <laughs> um, how have you seen? I'm thinking just about the, like, last couple years in particular and uh, of, like, increased trans visibility nationally mm-hmm. um, and definitely in New York, too, and within the dance world yeah. and other arts world, performing arts worlds. How how do you see yourself in, like, this moment or how it's impacted you coming through the
1: dance Sometimes field? I feel sad, like, I wish I was a younger person coming up again but I don't think that's real you know I'm not I mean that is a real feeling but I don't think I need to believe it <laughs> but because you feel like so I, because I feel like there's more language and opportunities <clears throat> now and I, I still think there are people who are like you know I think there's a lot of people who would never consider working with me as a dancer
0: yeah
1: um or other trans people yeah uh, so I don't it's not like I feel like Transphobia is over. Yeah. We're all, you know... Well, we all get to be who we are and have <laughs> jobs. <laughs> like, you know, you know. It very part of yeah. yeah, but I do feel like there is more language, and so that's cool. I feel excited about that for, for the young people that are just coming here and stirring the pot, and I guess for myself... Um... Yeah. I don't think I realized how uh how much I don't think I realized how transphobic the dance world in New York was until kind of recently. Yeah. Which is says something about my other like comforts and privileges for sure. But I I think there was a way in which I was like also like shielding myself from seeing really what other people's problems were. <laughs> 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 yeah, totally.
0: What are the some What are some of the ways you've like Explained. learned about that about the transphobia? I,
1: uh, I feel like people get so. Um, it's like when you're, I. I <laughs> One of the experiences I've had is like being like the trans comes be- first in <coughs> people's interactions with me and, yeah, and so they and they have like projections about what that means, and so they either want to work with me because of that yeah and because they think that's cool or because you know it's just like token tokenization yeah. tokenism and um mm-hmm. dehumanization yeah. Um, and then not realizing, like taking, thinking like, oh, you know, this person actually wants to see me, and it's like, oh no, there's, they're already, they're coming at this, in, a, by compartmentalizing and fragmenting me, and not knowing really how to see me, even if they have the best intentions. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also think there's a way in which, like, because. Um, yeah, you know, there. Are, I feel like there are many parts to my gender. To go back to your first question, you know, like I, I enjoy. It. I have. I mean, what even is it anyway? Right. So, like, masculinity, femininity. I just have. well, yes, I have that. <laughs> so, and there, are, um, there, are, it sort of comes out in different contexts. So I think there are situations and where people see me where I seem like really masculine and really butch, and then I think there are ways that people see me and I look very effeminate or feminine and really fay or whatever you know and uh, I really like that and I want to preserve and protect that about myself and right. celebrate that about myself um and also I like that you know it, it's useful it's a useful tool to like put on different masks and different ways of walking and talking and being and um I guess if I'm if I'm choosing and I'm in control of it, it feels good if someone's trying to make me do it or says you have to be that way in order to be my lover, or you have to be that way in order to work for me, then that's it. I get you know, maybe I'll choose to do that for a little while, but then I mean, you're you're only getting a fraction of Yeah. Who I am and Um but what I got lost. There was something I wanted to say there. Um oh I think when people because people do see Me, as a masculine person, um, I think I'm just realizing... And also, I think, because of the way... Like, I was (coughs) born in the Midwest and socialized as a girl. So, like, there are ways in which I just have pretty deep habits to show just friendliness and, like, I'm okay. And I I think I'm just realizing how much people um, will either respond to me as though I have no problems Mm -hmm. and all of Mm -hmm. like the power in a situation i must not have any trauma i must not have any insecurities i must not experience oppression you know so like i think there's a way in which as a, a masculine person probably other identities that are visible like my race and who knows what else but people respond to me as though i have no problems and i'm Really strong, and I have all the power in the situation. I think I'm just realizing, and then if I and then if I show anything else, then I think people just are put off or feel like if I'm not just nice, you know. I don't know. This this is what I would think about lately. Is like, can I can I show when I'm crabby? Yeah. Uh, Or it's like. They people either think I'm like yeah, I don't know, now I'm <laughs> lost, but it feels like people either think I'm like cool and think I'm better than them, or I'm have no problems or something like that. Yeah. I think that has to do with like masculinity and gender, yeah, yeah. and it's fake, yeah. and I feel like it's connected to transphobia, like yeah um. So I think I'm just starting to, like, have more awareness about that, like the way that uh, people are responding to me and have responded to me. I didn't always... I was like, I don't understand what's happening here, but I think a lot of times people assume that I'm fine and I don't have any needs and I... Or, you know, people will be like, assume that I'm tragic and... (laughs) terribly broken and <laughs> fucked up and you know I mean? like, so it's a lot of that
0: <laughs> just cis, pe- I mean when you say people you mean cis people yes yeah, cis people do t- or trans people too you I know, don't think why,
1: you know? that trans people assume that I'm terribly broken and fucked up and tragic <laughs> yeah. I haven't I haven't experienced that from other trans people I haven't I don't I really haven't
0: the other side of the token, though, of, like, that you don't have problems or you're... That,
1: like, I, think, I mean, yeah. I think that that is connected to the sort of, like, competition that I was talking about in college of, yeah. like, who has it worse, who, you know, that sort of, like, I don't know, I guess... I don't know. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> We're all... We all have our struggles and... Yeah, and other queer people... I've definitely experienced that a lot with, like, lovers and partners. Like, people just... not not seeming to understand that Uh, I have a whole range of feelings and experiences and also me guarding them from it like you know I learned not to show that or to to need anything or so it's it's I'm in a new process (laughs) of sharing that (laughs) with people
0: yeah
1: letting them in on it and figuring out how to let people in on it strategically
0: What kinds of relationships have you had with other, or do you now have with other trans and GNC people in the dance world or in New York more broadly?
1: Mm. (coughs) A lot in the dance world, I feel like most of my, not most of, many of my close other dance people are... Trans or gender nonconforming, um, and if not that, then they're cis <coughs> and queer. Yeah. Or, straight and cis and very queer aligned. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the definitely the artist community that I am a part of, or communities that I'm a part of or connected to. Um, also, the Jewish communities now I feel like are most like predominantly pretty queer I'm not a separatist though I do (laughs) I do really appreciate having some straight people in my life, and yeah, some, and some and some cis people in my life, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I do, I do. I know that could be controversial, and sometimes I regret feeling that way. But I, I, I mean, you know, a lot of those friends that I that have saved my life were my closest yeah. people. Some of them are queer, all of them are cis, some of them are straight and yeah. very queer aligned, and they're my family. You know, yeah. And they show up for me when some of my like trans siblings can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know we need we need everybody. Yeah. I need everybody. Or all kinds of people. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do, you, um. There's a question here about the other. Like whether you feel aligned to L G B communities in <laughs> addition to, and I just feel like what you just said about sometimes when other trans people can't show up mm-hmm. is also definitely true of my range of experiences mm-hmm. of like deeply needing trans relationships and anyway, or do you, how do you see that in relationship the to that, what you were L- just saying? Yeah, or like as an umbrella or as a. done so far.
1: Okay, we can try that.
0: 81 Fort Green Place, it says.
1: Oh, that's weird. Thanks for back there.
0: (coughs) So, um, this is a new recording, now our (laughs) second (laughs) attempt at a new recording, because my phone is full, apparently. Um, But we are now recording again. Um, And yeah, we don't have to go back and cover everything, but um, yeah, we talked about uh, like communities in the larger queer and trans umbrella, and then I asked you about intergenerational relationships you had. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about um, my dad has a friend named Karen who is
2: uh,
1: androgynous, and I don't know how she identifies her gender outwardly from looking at her. Her expression is quite queer and quite uh non-binary um and yeah seeing like witnessing the friendship and the intimacy between her and my dad has been like meaningful but also like scared me for a while like I avoided her because I was worried that my dad would like that if their friendship ended I was like oh if he like gets grossed out by her then that means that he's grossed out by me Wow. um and so I just kind of kept her at a distance for a while but then when I had chest surgery she sent me this sweet she I guess I guess my mom came to visit a couple weeks later and she brought this present from Karen that was like a a bow tie from her collection and a a little pocket square that matched it it was blue satin (laughs) and a, a note saying that she um was proud of me and admired me and respected me and that she loves my dad and that's cool <laughs> that, was, that was cool um, and then yeah I've had some really special relationships with queer young people in my life oh there was a I've, for the last 11 years I've um, helped direct a summer camp and um, there was a really there's a camper that came to camp a couple years ago who um, we got to help you know like be choose the cabin that she wanted to cuz we have gender segregated cabins and so she we get to help her choose what cabin she wanted to be in and yeah. what name she wanted to go by at camp and um that was really sweet it was really cool to see her like flourish and blossom i had this like there a side note detail of my life is that yeah. i made an it gets better video when the that project came out yeah And, um, I didn't really understand like the scope of it or the scale of what it was going to be. I had no idea. I barely like interacted with you with YouTube at all, but I like heard about it from a friend and then I went home that night and I looked at the videos and the videos that were up there were like nine minutes long, just like everyone giving the harrowing details of like being bullied. I was like, these are not hopeful videos. Nobody, no young person wants to sit for nine minutes and hear all these stories. like, get it together people. So I was like, okay, I got to do something like short and sweet and so I just I, I made like a 30 second video. Um and then I uploaded it and then it ended up being in their book. They made a book of it. So it's like the first page wow. of the it gets better book. So <laughs> I just had no idea that I was going to, you know, like what was going to. And then other things came from it, which I could say another time. Well, I it's not like a secret, but it snowballed in a way that was very unforeseen in my life, which is that they took it and they made a Google Chrome featured, the it <laughs> gets better project in a commercial. And so they use a clip of my video and for the, like the <coughs> two minutes that I, not the two minutes, the two seconds yeah. that I was in a Google Chrome nationally, like, you know, aired commercial, yeah. I made about $8,000 wow. for two seconds. 'Cause of all the like royalties that came in. And mm-hmm. that's actually what funded my top surgery. Wow. So it was like a very interesting, surprising turn of events. But the cool thing the cool thing that happened with that one camper when and she was like in the girls' cabin. It was rest period. Oh, she was um she was a, in the older unit, and they were having a special meeting because their like, graduation ceremony was coming up, and they were all going to meet, and they were like, where is she? And I was like, oh, I think I know where she is. So I went back to the cabin, and she had strung up this like hammock in the cabin, and she was having like a lovely little reading moment with herself. And I looked closer, and she was reading, the it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be like, oh, so-and-so, like her name. I was like, oh, that's cool that you found that book. And... Yeah i'm actually in it <laughs> and i turned to the page and then like her eyes just got really big and i just saw her like looking up at me out of the hammock and i was like oh this is a really cool experience for her right now like i felt famous for a minute yeah and then i was like "Ah, oh, your your cabin's looking for you <laughs> your unit's looking for you but that was a special moment yeah i just had just took like some like obviously that's like a I've had things that are unrelated to Dan Savage <laughs> and the it Kids Better Project. I've I've gotten to share like some really sweet um, connections with young people, and just like let find ways to let them know that they are good and they're okay, and that's been really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then my f- friend Mary, who's in her sixties and just really fierce, and uh, lets me know that you can be like a radical with your mind for your entire life. Yeah. You
2: know?
1: Yeah. Um oh, but I was also saying so I went back recently to Madison. My parents had a fiftieth wedding anniversary and yeah. there were like a couple that Alex who is um Emily one of Emily's moms was there and um this other older lesbian. Um and there's still a way in which I don't know, actually don't know how to say what i want to say there's a way in which i feel like transphobia makes people of an older generation and younger straight people like scared to talk to me and they get kind of paralyzed and so they don't ask questions about my life and it can be really lonely um especially like around family or people who have known me my whole life i'm like come on just ask me any question anything say yeah. something you know and then i end up being the person who's like how are you how's this you know i just like have to either lead and then i feel really bad about myself yeah i'm um, and sad and lonely and angry um and there's a way in which having a partner in this way that like looks more like Heteronormative, I think, is, like, calming and relaxing to people. Um, <laughs> and it's, like, sad and unfortunate, but it's <laughs> cool because it means that, like, I'm actually getting... They're getting to have me more, and I'm getting to have them more. Yeah, I'm sad that it takes that. But it's also, like, it's what it is, what it is, you know. So there was a way in which, like, people at that party, because I had a partner who was there, were so much more, like, coming towards me and asking me about my life, like... Wow. Um, than ever before, um, not that we have big parties like that on the regular, you know, was a special occasion, but I just feel like the rest of the time people are scared to talk to me. And it, that might have to do with what I was talking about earlier, like masculinity or, like, I'm an artist, I live in New York, so in the Midwest people are like, ooh, you're hoity-toity, you yeah. know, like, yeah. so they think I'm cool and they think I, they're scared to talk to me. and So it all gets wrapped up with, like, transphobia and stuff like that. But there's something else I wanted to say about that, but I don't... Oh, but then it was really amazing. I had this really cool interaction with Alex, who had met my partner for the first time and was like, "She's great, she's really wonderful and it's really meaningful i mean alex has been like one of the grown ups of my life since I was very young, so she was it was it felt really meaningful for her to be like, "She's great, I'm really happy for you, and you're a lucky man <laughs> I was like I, that's really special that she figured out to say that, you know. I don't I don't particularly identify with the word man. Yeah. But I she was like it had it just had all this special flavor of like she was really reaching out. To, yeah. You know,
0: with the language she With had. the language she had. Yeah.
1: To to see me and she's one of the grown-ups of my life, so that that was a really moving moment.
0: Well, Yeah. Yeah. I like that range of stories that you just like laid out of yeah. I don't know how just rich those moments from across generations can be of yeah. Someone like seeing you in a book that yeah. like has a certain kind of thing like, I don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um like weight to it or gravitas yeah. to it and then that language too and just I mean talk about alignment with like gay communities and I'm just so happy that Dan Savage paid for your top six yeah I know I just love that so much to flash back to that I I really love that I'm really really happy yeah (laughs) Feel better about that whole
1: yeah, the whole project. <laughs> the way that that yeah. project
0: impacted my own life, yeah. all that I feel oh, yeah. a, a nice little redemption. From yeah. it. <laughs> um, How are about
1: there, you? Do you wanna? We can, we can keep talking, but we can yeah, also,
0: whatever feels good to you. Do you I'm have good.
1: any other questions that you feel like? I mean, we could talk for you know, for as long forever. as we could and <laughs> yeah. want to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I was so the record. The people listening will now know. I've I have had a, this fever for a couple of days, and I do feel myself sort of fading. Oh but, yeah. We should. Um, but want to like ask a few things. Okay. If that's if you've yeah. got another to- totally. fifteen minutes or something, yeah. Just Just uh, um. Yeah, I was curious, a couple of the questions that, like, this project has sort of pointed to is, like, um, yeah, a couple questions, I think, sort of about New York and your time here, a couple questions about, like, other social movements, Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we can sort of wrap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start with that question of, like, you've (laughs) alluded to in different ways, but, um... I think one of the lovely things about, like, recording these interviews with trans folks is, like, also to get a really present history, mm-hmm. contemporary history of, like, other social movements that you're looking to or, like, projects in New York or beyond that mm-hmm. are inspiring to you mm-hmm. um, or that you've been involved in or anything like that that you feel like sharing yeah. uh, in terms of, like, how we're actively now creating history.
1: Yeah. And this could be, like, activist movements that are, like, r- related or unrelated totally. to, like, gender. And, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, in recent years, are, the world has been really impacted by Black Lives <coughs> Matter and the movement for black lives. Um, and I feel just grateful and excited for the way in which that is, like, transforming like, the dominant, uh, transforming the conversation in the mainstream of our country. Yep. Um, so ex- I look to those organizers, I feel really inspired by, um, Mi Gente and, um, Doing like amazing Latinx um, organizing, mostly in like the the Southwest, but the way that's transforming, I guess the country. Um, yeah, so I feel yeah. Those are the, some of the movements that like I'm looking to. I'm not directly, you know, a constituent. I'm not a constituent of like the who they're for, but I, you know, I. Yeah. I try and live and do my work in solidarity with them um, I I haven't been very connected to a specific organization in a long time when I lived in Seattle I helped to form the Seattle chapter of Jewish Voice for Peace JVP um, An experience like you know, like, definitely felt, like, triggered and scared and <laughs> backlashed and um, kind of had stopped doing that for a while. I just went to a JVP action the other day that I just had such mixed feelings. Oh, now I'm talking on the record. I just <laughs> have mixed feelings. I feel like... Um, the language that they use makes so much sense to me and I see how it will be completely ineffective at changing people's minds and hearts um and I feel like and I understand why people feel like it is a moral imperative to name something as they see it using words like um like apartheid and all the stuff that you know all those words and I see how and and I believe that we should see it and name it as we see it, and yeah. so it's powerful for people to get together and like say it. And I also yeah. like I know, like, the the community, uh, the communities that are like, in, and I know this like the structure of the problem. I I feel like uh, I get hopeless. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not going to work if you say that word. Yeah. You have to taboo it. You have, and this is actually a concept that I got from my partner. She's like, we have to play taboo you know like if i say in some instances if i say like white supremacy or like hegemony or all that stuff like people are gonna their eyes are gonna roll back in their head they're just their brains turn off it, you know so like we have to figure out of being ways of like talking around it so that we can actually like reach people and mm-hmm. so that to me i'm like curious about strategies that are really truly gonna do that but obviously it need we need everybody to be fighting you know so, yeah, so I went to that action, and I felt g- g- pleased that there were, like, 300 people there or whatever. Totally. And, and I was like, uh, I don't know. And it's worth it if those 300 people feel, like, tapped in and connected, and they built trust with each other, yeah. and they, you know, they feel more, like, powerful <laughs> than cool. And I get kind of hopeless when I look at, like, the bigger... Problem and like this, what's it going to take, you know, to actually reach the people who have the power and change the story?
0: How does that, um, <clears throat> I don't know how to frame this question. Um, I mean, I guess I'm thinking. About New York, like as a movement city and as one that you've lived in for uh, quite a while.
2: Yeah.
0: And wanting to ask about, like, in what ways you've seen your scenes or communities within New York change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, so I'm trying to build a bridge from what you just said in terms yeah. of, like, how people are.
1: Well, one way that I've not seen it change, but I know that it has changed, which I was just talking about with my partner also. The other night, we went to see the movie about Queen, about Freddie Mercury, the Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, there's, like, problems with it, but there are also really amazing things about it. We were talking afterwards just about, like, the AIDS epidemic and just, like, again, reminding, being reminded of, like, how... uh, how much we... how impacted we are as... Activists and artists and queers and humans uh, by the loss of the, all those precious souls. Just how different. Who knows where we would be, if we got to have them. Whoa, kidding. <laughs> I can really feel that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's you know, and I moved to New York after the real height of the epidemic obviously um so I was not impacted in that I like lost loved ones um but I feel like the the loss is palpable in the city yeah um and people are you know obviously still grieving it and reckoning with it And then I don't know how else I've seen things change. I've gotten older. I don't go out dancing as much. And that used to be, I feel like, a real primary outlet of like queer, like the nexus of, you know, like yeah. it was like the place where it was like you were living your sexuality and your identity and your politics. You were just sweating it out.
2: Totally
1: and I'm, like, tired, and I have a dog, and I <laughs> have to work a lot, and I don't have a lot of money. And I mean, obviously, if if maybe it's not as important to me, or I don't feel... I don't know. I don't know why. But I just... I don't do that anymore, <laughs> really. And I guess I miss it. So that's a thing to notice for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be that I'm not a young adult anymore and I um so some of the grips of adulthood are tighter on me um just sad
2: (laughs) yeah
0: um a question I usually I always love to ask is like if there are characters or people um who just like shine as New York to you queer or trans or not you know but just people that you've encountered during your time here who yeah I feel like I
1: just had an experience the other day where I was like ah New York (laughs) what happened um yeah, I don't know, some, like, random guy fist bumped me on the street when he, like, made some weird joke, and then I smirked or something, and he saw it, I, <laughs> I, don't know, just, but I don't know who he was, but, um, the, like, when people can see each other, I love that. Yeah. When we, like, come out of the fog, or the way in which we have to numb out to deal with the multitudes yeah. of, <laughs> um, you like come out of that and make a connection with a person in your day and i I feel like that's so magical in new york you know and when people like help each other with their strollers up and down the stairs or like the other day i was on a subway car and a guy (coughs) got a rat on his shoulder inside his hoodie yeah and this woman saw and she was just fucking terrified She was freaking (laughs) out she was screaming and jumping up on the chair it was a really crowded subway so people were like stumbling and falling back but her like Dramatizing her fear Made everybody Like laugh yeah. and Because we're all Like fucking scared And so Her like making Such a big deal out of it and, and like People were laughing And I think people Were also like annoyed Or upset or, But it was like It was like a release yeah. For everyone around her yeah. And it was like Also hilarious um, I also thought about Miss Columbia mm-hmm. Who just passed I just loved seeing her Anytime I saw her I was like, God bless us all. God bless us all. (laughs) We are in the presence of wonder. And, yeah.
0: Can you say who she was or how you encountered
1: Um, her? Yeah, I don't don't really know much about who she was other than I would see her around, like, at the beach or in... um, in like parades um and she was an older human with a beautiful big beard and wore amazing um skirts and frills and frocks and often had a bird on her shoulder and um amazing like hats and um just had an air of magic around her so. Yeah, I always really appreciated
0: her. Um, Is there a moment from anything of what we've talked about or not where you felt seen that you might like to share?
1: Hmm. I mean, I think the whole time. I loved I love moments when you let me know that you related to something that I said or um, that it struck uh, a feeling or a memory or any some, other something you could relate to. Um, yeah. This is a nice thing to share with <laughs> someone. <laughs> yeah. For me too. Yeah.
0: And if you wanted people who are listening to hear one thing from you... What might that be?
1: Um, your life is important, you know. The world is big, and so are you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I get, I get. Sometimes the scale of, you know, all the suffering and all of the needs and all of the joy and all of the lives and all of the brilliance sometimes I get lost in that Um, it's easy to think to go back and forth between uh, like I don't matter in it or or I really matter or something (laughs) (laughs) so uh, but I do think we all really like it. all of the all of our feelings, all of our journeys, all of our processes, all the ways we figure out to survive, and then the ways we figure out to reimagine ourselves and um, and live are really important to th- to the whole, to the big picture
0: think that's a really lovely way to close is there anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't get to share about
1: no that's great thanks
0: yeah Yeah. and then the last very last thing is if there's anyone else you know who might be interested and you think that we should be reaching out to um having their story also included
1: yeah i'll think about that yeah
0: yeah
1: okay cool thanks jules thanks Adelaide,
2: (laughs) Matthew.